I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another What Culture Football podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and Michael Kenny from What Culture Football here to discuss another burning football issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. But as I said, joined by Michael Kenny, a Wickham Wanderers fan who, of course, last night made it through to the playoff final to see potentially Wickham Wanderers becoming a championship club. But we are in part here to talk about that, but mainly to talk about football in lockdown because, uh, Michael, you went to a game where there were, well, yourself, the players, the managers, the staff, and really not many other people. Uh, What was that like? Yes, um, a surreal experience to be completely honest you we're, we're so used to going to football uh and going with our friends going with our family you know uh, football is a social experience we go to enjoy it together football is the great connector uh brings us together brings communities together and uh it was very strange i mean pulling up to adams park yesterday evening i mean um i usually get to the ground about an two or three hours early, um, you know, before kickoff, usually because I have scripts to go through. Uh, I've got teams to prep and, you know, names to try and pronounce or, or butcher. Um, mm. So I'm usually getting there quite early. So when I'm pulling into the ground, there's not that many people there. Um, so imagine you're getting to the ground at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, but it's just perpetually 11 o'clock from, <laughs> from, from when you get there until when you go home. Um, yeah. It, I have to, I mean, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me back on this wonderful podcast. It's nice to know that uh, uh, my first appearance wasn't a one and done, Adam. So thank you so much. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's to one of the things that we were talking about last time I was on was my opinion that football, you know, is diminished right now because of what's going on. Uh, the fact that we can't currently have people in the ground. And, and I did question whether it should be happening at all. Uh, obviously, you know, it is happening. So that's not going to stop. But, uh, you know, it's just a strange experience and there were a lot of measures put in place yesterday to make sure that you know socially yeah social distancing was was being observed people were wearing masks um you know that i went through four separate security checkpoints to make sure that my temperature was okay that i had the right accreditation um i i could only go into the ground one way and one way only there were security guards all over the place to make sure that we were going into the right areas it was just it was it was less going to a game of football and more like going to a military base 
Yeah, we should point out you are the match day announcer for Wickham Wanderers, hence why you're one of the few people who got to go to this crucial second leg of the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, you've gone through all those steps to get into the position to do the job that you're there for. A surreal experience, no doubt, like you say, to be a match announcer for zero fans. Um <laughs> What was watching the game like? Because we've all sort of watched these games with with no fans in attendance. Uh, and, you know, some people prefer it with the, the crowd noise piped in. Some prefer just being able to hear all the players and staff and what have you. What's it like when you're actually at the ground? Um, weird, because I was actually thinking about this earlier on because I got so into the game that I stopped paying attention to the fact that we were in an empty stadium. Um, and, you know, Adams Park isn't, you know, it's not like going to Old Trafford. You know, it's not like an 80,000 all-seater stadium. Uh, Adams Park is uh, Adams Park is my home, my second home, hmm. uh, with, with, a, with a capacity of uh, just under 10,000. Um, so you can still tell that there's no one there, and it's a very strange sight. Uh, the club had done a really good job with uh, erecting uh, flags, uh, loads and loads of flags in the home terrace, which was a wonderful thing. We also did what a number of clubs are doing um, by having the cardboard cutouts of, of fans and some some wonderful uh, people, that the, some wonderful fans uh, connected with the club went and uh, put together a special section of uh, cutouts for uh, ex-players and fans who are unfortunately no longer with us. And it was a wonderful, wonderful tribute uh, and really well organised. So so we kind of had all those things as well. Um, but, but the game, which I'm sure we'll get into, was just so tense <laughs> and so nerve-wracking that I was so focused entirely on on that uh, rather than the fact that we were in an empty stadium. One of the other things as well is um, the boys did an incredible job of generating a lot of noise in the ground that day. Um, so, so the subs were, and I think the term is sledging, uh, I think that's a cricket term where uh, you're, you're making a lot of noise uh, to pull off the opposition. And uh, one of the things that I heard was that uh, Fleetwood were very surprised uh, with the noisiness of our bench in the first leg. And uh, we carried it on uh, yesterday in the second leg. So, um, yeah, a lot of noise was generated. Um, there was a surprising amount of people on the other side of the ground. So a lot of journalists were there, but a lot of um, kind of company directors and uh, well, a select few anyway. And you could tell that there were people dotted around and uh, it was quite impressive the noise that we were able to generate i didn't even think about that you know I, my, my impression of it all is being another uh, a fellow or potentially not much longer for you lower league football fan uh, is there are times i've been to games with a stadium full of people and i can still hear a pin drop because it's yeah it's chesterfield um i just <laughs> remember going to a hartlepool game uh, over the last couple of seasons around here where, where I live now. And uh, yeah, you could hear pretty much everything. So yeah, you assume, I, I sort of interpret that as just like it, it feeling like the entire 90 minutes, there's just a lull in play where you can't hear the crowd. I didn't even consider though, the fact that whilst you can, you know, on the TV, you can hear people telling to players to mark other players or telling people to go wide or push forward or whatever, or messages coming from the manager. I didn't even think about the possibility of just slagging off your opponents to try and put them <laughs> off. My next question was going to be how teams have dealt with it. Clearly, Wickham dealt with it far better than, than Fleetwood. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we we at Wickham, we've got a bit of a reputation and uh, I'm, I'm sure some listeners will, uh, will will know what that reputation is. Um, but I think any any football club is, is trying to look to find the advantage and um, 
and we found ours. And, uh, you know, just uh, just by putting two and two together, you know, the, the bench being as loud as they were in the first leg, you know, definitely did a number on Fleetwood in terms of, you know, playing those mental games. And we see it in other sports as well. I mean, you've got to do what you've got to do to to win. It's it's more than just the actual physical actions on the field. There there are mental games at play as well. And uh, we we had Fleetwood beat in that regard in the first leg for sure. Uh, they they came to Adams Park yesterday. I think a little bit more prepared. Um, I think that for the most part they had kind of solved most of the Wickham Wanderers puzzle. Hence uh, hence the scoreline being very very different. But I just want to go back to the the weirdness of um, being able to hear pin drops like you said um there was a there was a moment in the game where there was a lull in noise where i could actually hear a photographer on the other side of the pitch <laughs> take but you know when you're pressing the camera to take yeah, pictures, yeah, yeah. you can hear the click 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 i could hear that from the other side. it was the weirdest thing i've ever heard because i couldn't hear anything else um they there was a water break happening and this photographer he was literally like like 50, 100 yards maybe over on the other mm. side of the pitch in the corner. You could hear him uh, take his pictures and it was so, so strange. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of strange stuff going on last night, to be honest. In terms of the like technical side of things, how do teams deal with it? Because we've seen photos of players in the on the bench or players in the stands or managers higher up in the stadium. I never understand why they do the whole social distancing thing between two teams when they're literally just about to walk on the pitch. But <laughs> I suppose I'm sure there's some medical reasoning behind it. How did the how did Fleetwood and uh, Plymouth uh, Plymouth Wickham even uh, deal with deal with that yesterday? Yeah, so I mean, I I understand why they have to take the measures that they do, but at the same time, it, it does seem a little self defeating having all of these socially distancing measures, and then you know, football's a contact sport, and and when someone scores a goal, you know, when when we scored our equal there was a dog pile you know <laughs> everybody just jumped over that's not socially distanced but you know it's the emotions of the game and uh you know so um no special measures were put into place uh as as with the first uh in the first leg at highbury uh wickham actually had to get changed and showered in essentially not a dressing room um so a part of that ground was uh re- you know kind of refit to you know, host us and uh, we did the same for Fleetwood so Fleetwood actually got changed in the honors lounge at Adams Park and also Monty's which is our special fan exclusive bar um <laughs> and I think some um portable showers were erected in there as well it was very very strange because um one of the other things that I do with the club as well is uh, when we do have people at Adams Park, is I lead um, pre-game Q&As with our hospitality fans. Um, so the knowledge the Fleetwood were getting changed and Joey Barton was leading uh, the halftime tea talks and pre-talks and post-talks in that honours lounge, so, so strange. Um, but yeah, uh, the, so we've seen it in previous, uh, we've seen it in other games as well, that the two teams do come out of separate tunnels to stop the, you know, stop them from being so close as they're coming out. Um, and uh, there were certain sections of Adams Park that were marked amber and red. Now, red were essentially strictly no one apart from uh, match officials and players. Um, so no one could go into those at all. Um, not even club directors could go into those areas. And um, parts of the stands as well were were labelled as red. Um, so basically, the subs weren't sitting on the bench. The subs were sitting in the stands, um, uh, distance apart as well. So there was a red section for Wickham uh, substitutes and a red section for Fleetwood substitutes. And the bench would just have the the managers and the coaches, uh, and they would even have seats that would be kind of socially distanced apart. 
Um, so very, very strange. Uh, and, and also the press box where I sit and uh, where I stand most of the time, or pace, depending on what's going on, uh, <laughs> paced a lot yesterday, um, is, is literally just by this red section. So earlier on in the day, as I was pacing around, having a conversation with my dad, FaceTiming him and showing how weird it was in, in Adams Park, I had, um, had a steward come up to me and said, this is a red zone. You, you can't be here. I mean, he did it in a nice way. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll run back to the press box. Um, so, so yeah, it was very, very strange. And, you know, I think the chaos of the game at the moment is they had all of these measures in place and they weren't being managed as well as they perhaps should. So the, the zones, the amber and the red zones weren't clearly defined, which... So it was, it was a bit strange. You had to kind of... You know, if you were stood in the wrong place, you would soon know, but you didn't know if you were in the wrong place until they were telling you you were in the wrong place. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's talk about the game itself then. Uh, obviously a fantastic first leg result, taking a 4-1 lead to the second leg at home. Uh, it's the second leg must have filled you with confidence. And yet we are eternally pessimistic as football fans. When that <laughs> goal went in for Fleetwood in the 22nd minute, despite the fact you would still, you know, 4-2 up on aggregate, nerves starting to go a little bit. And uh, and how did you feel that they handled the game afterwards? Because the 2-2 result is a solid result, especially yeah. when you had such a lead uh, from the first leg. Yeah, so... After the first leg, you know, jubilation um, and a lot of uh, optimism. And uh, there was, there was. I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. There was a kind of lingering underlying feeling that we kind of had it in the bag. But, you know, I think uh, um, the gaffer, you know, really came out and helped kind of rem remind us of the expectation levels by saying this is half time. This is half time, you know, two games, you know, one game down. We've won this one, but we've still got to go and play another game of football. Um, so that was good. Uh, and, you know, the boys were, they seemed, seemed to take it in a stride. I remember the celebrations at the end of the first leg being very kind of, you know, muted, which was, which was good. So we were kind of, you know, taking it well and winning well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Fleetwood started uh, much better of the two teams yesterday. 
Um, they were also out about three or four minutes before kickoff as well. So they were out there. We, you know, when 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 our boys ran out, they were there waiting for them. So those psychological games that we were talking about, Fleetwood have picked up on a few of those and had uh, incorporated some of those into their arsenal. Uh, the game starts. Fleetwood were all over us pretty much for the first half an hour, really. Um, they dominated possession, uh, as they did in the first leg. I mean, uh, Fleetwood, you know, enjoyed the lion's share of possession in the first leg. They did it again in the second leg. And, um, yeah, their goal, their first goal, uh, well taken. And um, very similar to the goal, the first goal that we scored, actually, in... Um, in the first leg, minus perhaps a little bit of rocket power, but it was a good goal, well taken. Um, our goalkeeper, Rocky, was well beaten. And yeah, I mean, for the first five, ten minutes, um, myself and uh, and Matt Cecil, who's the head of media and marketing at the club, we were kind of going, okay, right, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a long ninety minutes. <laughs> and uh, and then when that first goal goes in, I mean, you, you have to remain eternally optimistic. But we were like, okay, all right, this is. Uh, you know, the thing is with Wick and Wanderers is I love the club. I love them more than I think my own mother. Um, mm. But we never like to do it the easy way. Um, so we knew that it wasn't going to be straightforward when they scored. Um, I think the players' reaction to it was good. I mean, for the most part, we were containing Fleetwood as well. I, I remember Fleetwood having a number of um, opportunities that they were squandering by blasting the ball over or massively wide and things like that. Um, but when they scored, there was definitely a feeling of, oh, here we go. This is going to be a very, very long uh, game that we were going to have to endure here. Uh, then, of course, uh, you get a goal back just after half time. Uh, Chet Evans scores a penalty for Fleetwood sort of 15 minutes into the second half. And, well, uh, it's all wrapped up before you score an equaliser in the 94th minute. Um, 6-3 on aggregate. A deserved win from the, the the clips that I've seen, the the highlights that I've seen. You go on, as you mentioned there, to the playoff final against Oxford next Monday. Uh, obviously, local neighbours, nearly Thames Valley neighbours, I suppose. Um, yeah. How are you feeling uh, about that game and and the prospect of potentially playing in the championship? Would that be for the first time? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've never played in the second tier of English football before. And, you know, given the fact that we entered the Football League about 27 years ago. So, um, you know, we're still relative newbies to the uh, world of uh, fully professional football. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's um, it's going to be something. You know, we the Wickham-Oxford game is, uh, I think it's some, I think it's a game that Wickham take a little bit more seriously than Oxford. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, there's a lot of banter between the two sets of fans. It's uh, it's a game that's unofficially titled, I think, the M40 Derby. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't think uh, I, it's, it's it's an interesting game. I love the fact that it's uh, we're keeping things nice and local. I mean, I actually work in Oxfordshire. Um, I've got some business connections with uh, Oxford United, um, but uh, there's going to be a lot of banter between now and Monday. That is for sure. Uh, but yeah, Oxford, uh, they're a good side. Uh, they're a side that we always want to beat. They're a side that. In recent years, have gotten the better of Wickham on a number of occasions, but I don't think that's going to bother Gareth and the lads at all. Confidence is so high right now, and, and like you said, you know, yesterday getting that 94th minute equaliser with Fred Onya Dimmer just playing an absolute blinder yesterday um, really is great. Going into the final, knowing that we're not going in off of uh, defeats, that we are hard to beat, 
And uh, given the fact that Oxford and Portsmouth played out two very kind of drabby kind of games, mm. um, we're the more exciting side. We're the, you know, we're difficult to break down. And we have this real dogged determination to, uh, to uh, go as far as we possibly can and continue to define those uh, those expectations and those odds. Because we have to remember, before the start of this season, we were heavily, heavily tipped to go down and finish 23rd mm. in the league. And, uh, and here we are, finishing third in the league and going to Wembley for our first ever League One playoff final. It's crazy. It's, it's such an exciting time. Um... And I suppose I think it's fair to say you're probably the neutrals pick. I certainly will be keeping an eye on uh, on Wickham, uh, not just because you knocked out a side managed by <laughs> Joey Barton, who I'm not exactly the biggest fan of, um, but also because, like you say, the, the 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 highlights that I've seen, you play some great football, and I defy anyone to to not like a side featuring Adebayo Akinfenwa. So, how does that feel going towards that final and? Uh, is it one of those things where I still remember when Chesterfield were in a, a Johnston's Paint Trophy Cup final? It's all I could think of for the in the week leading up to it and the, the permutations of what may happen. So, yeah, I mean, this is where I'm going to probably sound a bit negative and, and all that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll do my best. Um, but we're, we're going to Wembley. Yes, amazing, fantastic. Uh, we're going to Wembley to play in front of no people. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, it's a hard one to take and um, it's difficult being a fan. It's difficult knowing that there are people, you know, still connected with the club who are, you know, on furlough and things like that, that can't be there with the club at the moment. And it's difficult because they're some of my friends and uh, it's something that we as a collective, as Wick and Wanderers would all want to be part of. The fans want to be there. All of the staff want to be there but it can't happen. And it's um, it's a choker, to be honest. It's very, very difficult to think of it. And, you know, like I said in my in my last appearance on this wonderful podcast, it's it takes some of the fun out of football, um, I'm not going to lie. However, we have to try and focus on, on the good things. I mean, Wickham, uh, at least we'll be able to watch Wickham on TV, you know, play under that wonderfully iconic arch. Um, it's, it's still exciting, but at the same time, you know, I'm just... Knowing that I'm probably not going to be there, you know, selfishly kind of makes mm. me resent it a little bit. But, you know, I guess that's just but to to, um, to go to your point of uh, being uh, the neutrals pick. Uh, that's that's interesting. I'd love it if we were the neutrals pick. I know that uh, there are a few Peterborough fans that might not be rooting for us. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, having Adebayo Akinfenwa has really done wonders for this club in terms of opening us up to, you know, uh, to national exposure, to international exposure. He's a, he's a cre incredible presence. And anybody that thinks that he just turns up um kicks a ball around you know films himself on instagram and then you know goes away is uh is not true you know i have being in the fortunate position that i'm in to see these players up close he is on the sidelines barking orders and <laughs> encouragement that the players he is the you know we've got matt bloomfield sir matt bloomfield who is uh the team's leader uh he's the heart the soul of the team is Adebayo Akinfenwa. Mm. He, you know, when whenever we have those huddles that we see on Sky, um, he's in the middle, you know, really leading that team. And, um, you know, he, he's been an absolute wonder to have at this club. And, uh, you know, I feel like he might be, you know, 37 years old and getting a bit slower and, you know, he, he might not be scoring as many goals as, as he once were. But but having him in the, having him in the side as that talismanic kind of figure, 
Um, I really fancy our odds against Oxford, just having him in the squad. Well, best of luck for the playoff final. We'll no doubt discuss it nearer the time. Just finally to bring it back to this surreal experience you've had. Do you think this is the new normal then? And how long do you see this going on for? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Wickham have um, been selling season tickets for the uh, for the well 2020-2021 season as as they need to because you know we need to try and come up with a, a solution to revenue. Um, the wonderful thing with the Fleetwood results is that there's been an absolute surge in uh, in a desire to have those season tickets because it's really starting to hit home that we could be playing Championship football next season, which is very very exciting. Um, so that's good. The problem is, is we don't know. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, you know, there have been talks about getting a reduced number of people into Adams Park, something like 2000 fans in uh, per game. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. I uh, haven't got a clue. I mean, and as you go up the football pyramid, as you start talking about these games like your Ma- Manchester United and Chelsea and Man City and Liverpool and all those teams that routinely get 60, 70, 80,000 fans in a week, I just don't know, you know, if it's sensible to be doing that at the moment. You know, we are kind of coming out of these uh, restrictions at the moment, which, um, you know, rightly or wrongly is is, is happening right now. Um I just, I just don't know how it looks. I mean, these these measures that were in place yesterday to keep us all safe, they they were in place, but I don't know if they were being managed as effectively as people would have liked. So while that's happening, I think that that kind of puts the dampeners on, you know, the ability to get more than two thousand fans in in a game. Um, you know, I, I think it's realistic that we probably won't have any, you know, fan attended matches probably until the new year. I don't, maybe even longer. I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah, just to talk finally on the the issue of sort of socially distanced fans, is that a feasible thing? Because I've kept an eye on. Uh, I mean, we, we cover wrestling, of course, here at What Culture, and you see even you know WWE employees struggling to maintain the social distancing, and you you mix that in with the what you'd perceive not necessarily to be your archetypal fan, but the way your archetypal fan reacts to the game, and mix in the inability of anyone seemingly to to control social distancing once the pubs have reopened. Mm. Um, is that ever a possibility or do you think it's going to be a case of we have to wait till it's either everyone's back in or, or no one's back in? I think we have to wait until everyone's back in, really. I think it's human nature. I mean, we, we all joke that we hate humans and all that kind of stuff, but we, as a species, as a civilization, we're very social creatures. We need each other. And uh, being at the game yesterday, uh, seeing some friends that I had not seen in, uh, you know, almost uh, how long, you know, 100 days, 100 plus days, mm. not seeing anybody, um, I wanted to just run up to them and hug them as hard as I possibly could. Um, and I, I went to on a couple of occasions, and I remembered <laughs> that I couldn't. And we did the whole elbow, uh, you know, handshakes and things like that. Um, it's difficult, um, you know, and, and looking around the ground during the game, you could see people that were clearly not adhering to social distancing. And uh, it's just something that we are, we, we still haven't trained our minds to do. You know, we, we fall into these patterns of just wanting to be close to each other because that's what we do as people. We want to be close. And when we go to football, we're seeing our friends. We don't want to be sat in another stand going, you know, yelling at each other. Um, we want to be close. And uh, until this whole situation goes away, um, I don't think it will be, you know, 
I think we need to wait until this whole thing is, you know, mm. to quote Sean Ledead, blows over. And, uh, <laughs> and then we can get back to packing out our stadiums. Yeah, I cannot imagine attempting social distance when a goal goes in. Uh, yeah. If I was in the ears in the crowd, uh, I struggle to do that with people I don't know when this isn't sort of going on, grabbing and hugging, kissing people because Chesterfield goes are a bit of a rarity. Um, <laughs> I will yeah. say this. I will say this that um, so, you know, Matt at the club is uh, I consider him a good friend. And uh, whenever we score in in uh, in normal times, we would jump up and high five and hug each other, especially in a dramatic moment. When Fred scored the goal in the 94th minute to essentially just allay any feeling of pressure mm. and to really rubber stamp, we are going to Wembley. I wanted to hug him. I think he wanted to hug me too. And what I did is I literally turned the opposite way and just walked and paced that way because I <laughs> knew that I was going to run at him. And, uh, you know, all the players on the field were dogpiling each other. Uh, and there we were in the press box. The only two people in the press box, which is a really shocking change from the norm when it's a packed press box, um, you know, to you know not be able to do that was was difficult. But um we managed. We managed. We we just looked at each other and gave us uh, gave each other that look and that wink that yes, we're Wickham Wanderers, and the old Bucks boys are going to Wembley. Well, a surreal experience, but an enjoyable one nonetheless. And we will no doubt catch up around the playoff final. Best of luck to you uh, and Wickham Wanderers, Michael. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. Uh, do let us know your thoughts on football in lockdown on Twitter at WhatCultureFC. Uh, watch, they can follow both of us. Michael, where can people get you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at my cool Kenny. So that's my as in mine, cool as in pick up the phone and call me. Ken as in Barbie and Ken, and knee as in the Pete, uh, the the knee on your body. <laughs> you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all, as I said, at What Culture FC, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football for daily football podcasts. But for now, this has been it's all kicking off. My thanks to Michael Kenny. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.